Well, we're going to wrap up the, our teaching on the Good Shepherd this morning. We've uh, spent six weeks counting today. I've so enjoyed studying and, and uh, relaying this message to you guys. And um, uh, we've had so many good responses and good feedback on this as well. And today I, I, I pray it will be equally impacting. Let's go ahead and we're going to read the 23rd Psalm together. Um, I want to slow it down just a tick as we read it, okay? Because here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we can get so familiar with something that we're not even paying attention to what we're doing anymore. You know, have you ever done the pledge to the flag of America? You know, and you don't even know what you're saying or you, you just rush through your, your prayer at dinner time. Now I lay me down to eat. You know, you get a, you, you're not even paying attention to what you're doing. Um, it, it's important that we pay close attention because here's the danger of being familiar with holy and wonderful things. Here's the danger. You get so familiar and you don't pay attention with that. Your heart starts to harden. And we never want to let our heart harden. So let's, let's take our time. We're going to, you know, we're not going to drag it out here. But I just do want to slow down enough that we make sure that we're locking our, our brains and our hearts in on this. Let's read it together, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll say it again. That's good stuff. Amen. Well, in this. Psalm, Psalm 23, it's well known and beloved. There's just such rich imagery, the metaphor here of shepherd and sheep. And so we start out by saying the Lord is my shepherd. So if he's a shepherd, what does that make us? We're the sheep. Go ahead and give me a bye. Okay. First service, they started that without me even prompting them. So I guess they'd been up early feeding critters or whatnot, and they were already. But the Lord is our shepherd. And what David is doing, he's, he's picturing in very vivid terms and, and ways uh, his confidence in the Lord and his expression of God's goodness to him and how faithful and good that God is. And, and it's easy for us to take this psalm and just apply it to our life. And it brings us comfort and it brings us confidence. And I'm, I'm thankful this morning that the Lord is our shepherd. Amen. Now, in verse 5 and verse 6, and I know we just read this, but I'm going to go back and read this again real quick. Let's notice something. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, here's, in essence, what he's saying here. I made it. I made it. Because if we look, you know, he, he had to be nurtured. He had to be fed. He went through some deep, dark places. He has enemies. He has all of these things going on. And then he's arriving at a place where really he's, he's declaring because of God's faithfulness and goodness, I made it. Guess what? You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And this is what I notice here, that David had to have help the whole way. 
You're going to have to have help the whole way. But here's the other part of it. He had help the whole way. So I'm thankful that it's not just a need that we have. It's a reality that we have that God will help us the whole way. And the bottom line of that is that we are never alone and we are never without help. And listen to me. If I could boil all of this book down for us, the truths of this, God's character, his intentions, his ability, his nature, and his relationship with you. Here is the bottom line. If we could extract the essence out of all of this, God loves you so much. Get this here that you will never be alone and you will never be without help. Never alone, never without help. But pastor, sometimes I feel like I'm alone. Sometimes I feel like I'm without help. You just hold on. You just hold on because before long, you're going to realize I was not alone. I was not alone and I was not without help. How many of you that's happened in your life before? You can look back and realize, you know what I thought I was. And I even made the mess, but I realize now I was never alone. I was never without help. Say it with me. I am never alone. I am never without help. Boy, I'm thankful for that. Now, in verse 5, he also says this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that table follows the valley. And that's kind of the way it works a lot of times. And if you're going through a valley right now, stay close to the shepherd. Because guess what? You've got a table in your future. Okay? It's coming up. Now, he also said, you anoint my head with oil. And let's just see what this means a little bit. Oil throughout scripture is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He is our helper. He's the agent of action of the Godhead. He's the person of power of the Trinity. He comes to us. He's the one that won't leave us. He's the one that won't forsake us and leave us without help. And so this oil, David is saying, you, you anoint my head with oil. Um, it's representative, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And in, in particular, to do with his refreshing. How many of you know that his presence refreshes you? How many of you ever need a holy perk up? Several of y'all here this morning could use a holy perk up. And your, your answer is the freshness of God's presence in your life. Well, how do I get that? One of the quickest, clearest ways to get to God's presence is get alone with him. Get alone with him. Solitude is full of God. Get alone with God. That can happen in a closet, in a car, in a shower, and wherever. And that you purposely, mindfully, from your heart, get alone with God. And ask God for fresh touch and, and freshness of his, of his presence. And it brings not only refreshing, but it brings gladness. And maybe you could use some gladness in your life. You're not going to see anything on CNN that's going to bring you gladness, okay? Every now and then they'll show you, a, a, you know, a new panda bear was born, you know, and they'll show you a little thing like that. And that's supposed to make your day in light of all the other stuff. No, I'm going to tell you what, he anoints us with joy and with gladness. The other uh, picture that this could be is in the culture in the day that this was written. When a traveler, a friend or whatever would come to your house, uh, they had been on a journey and the host... The, the one whose home it was, you were to welcome your guest in and follow this. You, you were to welcome your guest in. And part of what they do, would do as part of their culture was they would anoint their head. And they would take an ointment and they would, they would rub it, smear it on their head and, and, and on their face. They would anoint them in that way. Do you remember the time that Jesus' feet 
were anointed. She poured out oil on his feet and the guy complained about how uh, expensive the oil was. And he says, you know, forget that. He said, I came into your home and you didn't even anoint my head. He said, you skipped the protocol of a host, a good host to come and do this. And this is what it means. When you were doing that, you were saying, I welcome you. I bring you in and I pray my hope for you is while you're here that you are refreshed. And, and to do that in such a way. And, and we just feel that's a beautiful thing. So next week, we're going to start doing that when y'all, when y'all come in. We're going to give everybody a real good greasing, okay? I'm joking. The other thing, staying with the picture here of shepherd and sheep, is the sheep. And this is going to get a little gross before it gets better, okay? Any of you that are around animals, livestock, horses, cows, etc., um, you know that there's a lot of bugs involved. And sheep, they don't have hands. They just got their little hooves. Everybody lift your hooves up this morning. They just, they just got these little hooves. I guarantee you we're the only church in the nation doing this today, right, right there. All right. So we lift our little hooves up. But you know what? When you got bugs around you, you can't do much with your little hooves. Now, let me tell you the kind of bugs in nature that are going to hang around the sheep. There's going to be a lot of bugs which represent irritants, irritations. Let me go back to us. How many of you have had anything irritate you? Okay. Well, these bugs, certain types of flies, bot flies, if you know those, what those are, there's also something technically also called a nose fly. And what they're wanting to do is find a place, a crevice, an opening, a wound, a, a, a something where they can lay their eggs and start a family. I told you it was going to get worse, okay? we got lunch coming up. It's about to get better. So the sheep, with their little hooves, they can't do anything about that. And all this is going on in their eyes, their nose, their ears, and it just irritates them. It can even drive them just bonkers, for real. And what they will do a lot of times is find a bush, a tree, a something, even on each other, and and just rub to deal with it and rub themselves raw and get irritated. And that only invites more and more bugs. And here's what the shepherd will do. The shepherd will anoint their head with oil. And, and it's an ointment and it contains a number of things. And here's what happens when he anoints their head with oil. First thing it does is it brings healing. The second thing it brings is it repels that which irritates. But here's the thing about it though. It has to be repeated, reapplied frequently. Frequently. David said this in Psalm 92, verse 10. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And we need that anointing, that fresh oil. Just that touch of God that refreshes us, that heals us, and that helps to repel the irritants. So let me just drop this in real quick too. The more that you have of that in your life, the less things in the world are going to irritate you. For real, for real. You can always tell and we can always tell when you're running low I'll just keep going. (laughs) Then he says, my cup runs over. Would you say that with me this morning? My cup runs over. This speaks of God's goodness and God's abundance and God's generosity and God's blessing. But it does not isolate it to just everything has gone my way. You know, it is actually a statement of, again, God, you've been good. And I am content and I am full and I am grateful. And you put it in the context of the whole psalm. He's been through some stuff, y'all. And you've been through some stuff. And 
you should be able to be able to say still with everything that goes on because of God's goodness and bounty, you should be able to say, my cup runs over. My cup runs over. Uh, sometimes in ministry, you've got to handle some, some tough stuff. And then all the time in life, you've got to handle some tough stuff. And the last two weeks, it's just like had a, a number of things that certainly don't want to deal with, but you have to deal with. And, and you know, it's work and it's pain and it's, um, you know, all the things that go with it. It gets hard. And we seek God and you pray and you know God will help you and give you wisdom and work through things. And the other day I just realized, hey, we're essentially through that and essentially through that. Isn't that always a good feeling to get through the the dark valley? And then last night I was going over my notes before I went to sleep and I prayed some. And then I just took a little time just by myself. And I'm not trying to appear to be something or whatever. I just took a little time by myself, all by myself, just to worship God and just to thank God. And I was very mindful. This was fresh on my mind. And I just was really able to say, Lord, this was tough and that was tough and this was tough. But you helped so much. You're so good. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. And that's just because of the faithfulness of God to you and to me. Amen. Y'all still there? Then he goes on to say, surely or only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word follow Actually, it has a couple of meanings. It means to pursue or to run down, but it also means to accompany or to be with. And in this, in this case, that's what it is. It's to accompany, it's to be with. You need to know that through your life, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Everybody say all the days. So that's all the days, all the steps that I took back here. The ones I'm taking now, the ones are yet to come. I know that God's goodness and mercy will be with me all of those days. God's goodness and mercy are with me right now. God's mercy, goodness and mercy were with me. Well, put together, and these words go together, goodness and mercy. You put them together, it really has to do with loving kindness. And because of the mercy aspect, it's sort of like this. It's the characteristic of God that he wants to, mercy includes this in it, to stoop over. And that means that he's in a higher place. He's more in the position to help you. And he extends himself to those who have need. That's the loving kindness of God. That's the goodness and mercy of God that he would reach down and help us in that way. And God wants to do that for us. There's something about God, something about his quality, his, his nature, that he wants to do good to you. He wants to help you. And I like this part too. He wants to relieve ministry, uh, misery, not ministry. <laughs> oh, rewind. Uh, he wants to relieve misery in your life. Now, God is good. Okay. It's his goodness and mercy. I want to do a real quick, deep theological equation here for you real quick. Okay. So I need you to pay close attention to this. Hopefully I can get this out right. God good, devil bad. Did y'all get that one? Okay. Let's see if we, we got it here. Let's try it again. Do it with me. God good, devil bad. Now, don't get that all misconstrued. God is good. Look at Psalm 119, verse 68. It says this. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. God is good and God does good. And that makes us want to learn of him. Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. 
But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You're trying to figure out, is this God or not God or whatever? Let's just take one example. 9-11. Go back to 9-11. Steal, kill, destroy. Stole planes, killed people, destroyed buildings. What's behind that? And you look, you look in your life and you look in all kinds of situations that go on. You're able to tell God good, devil bad. Thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is and was the express image of the Father. We see it in Colossians. We see it in Hebrews. We see it in other places in Scripture. And Jesus even said this. If you've seen me, you've seen who? Y'all with me? Everybody with me here? If you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. And so Jesus went about. He said, my Father and I are one. And he said, I don't do anything except I see my father doing. I don't say anything unless I hear my father saying it. So Jesus was the exact representation. Jesus was God in flesh on the earth. So we see Jesus. Jesus was full of grace. Jesus was full of truth. Jesus had goodness and mercy wherever he went. Jesus was so full of loving kindness. Follow me on this. He was so full of loving kindness that he even interrupted In the Garden of Gethsemane, he interrupted his own arrest to reach over and heal the ear of the servant of one of his captors. You see that? Peter Peter thought, it's on now. And he pulled out his little sword and whacked off Malchus's ear. And they're arresting Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He, He saw this. He said, Peter, put that away. And then he reached over and he heals the guy. In the middle of his arrest. And they go over and over. What is that? That's just loyal love. That's just this loving kindness that comes out of him. Now, I don't see it anywhere in scripture or in history. But I'm pretty sure that one of the first believers after the cross was Mr. Ear. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? Now, let's move on. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everything points to that being eternal life. And everything about that points to a forever home in heaven. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember David, I said this about David. David saying, I made it. I made it. He helped me, but I made it. But one of the challenges that we have in, in interpreting scripture today in the here and now, follow me on this, is to find out where this came from. What was going on when David wrote those words? See, we do wrong if we only take scripture and just kind of cherry pick it. And we have no idea what was going on, where this came from. What what about the language? What about the culture? What about where they were, when it was? Here we are in July 2013 in the United States. And certainly that's a whole different world here and now than it was then and there when this got written. Are you all with me? So what we've got to do, we have to, we have to look back as best we can. And there's language and history and, and all kinds of things that will help us to draw from there so that we, we can understand this. And so based on that, and some guys way, 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 way smarter than I am and have done a whole lot more work on this than, than I have, number of them have concluded that, yes, this does mean, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This has to do with heaven This has to do with eternal life. But they also say 
and suggest, and I, I agree, that also what it was saying was this. I will keep returning to the temple. I will keep returning to the temple. The house of the Lord was so central in their culture. It was so central in their lives. That was the centerpiece of their life. The temple, the tabernacle, the sanctuary. And what they said, God has been good through me, uh, good to me and has been good to me all through my days. And I know that he will get me all the way through. You know what my response will be? I will keep returning to the house of the Lord. I will keep coming back to the temple. And yes, today our bodies are the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But guess what else? The, the temple today is the church. And I think in light of God's goodness to us, has he been good to you? And do you think he's faithful that he'll see you all the way through? Then part of our response is, yes, forever I'll be with him in heaven. I'll, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you know what? While I'm still here, I will keep returning to the temple. I will keep coming back, let me put it in our words, to church. Now, let me transition off of that. The Lord is our shepherd. And he's what kind of shepherd? He's a good shepherd. You know what else scripture uh, refers to him as? The chief shepherd. Chief shepherd. Do you know what the Greek word for that is? Big kahuna. Well, no, it's not. But it's actually archipoimane. And it arch has arch, like overarching to be over which indicates there's something under. And he's chief. Let's put it in our words. He's boss. He's the head shepherd. Now go with me on this. Because this is about serving you. It's not anything other than making sure that you are served concerning this this morning. So if he is the chief shepherd, and he is our shepherd, and he takes care of us. Y'all with me? Just nod, bob, do something, okay? He takes care of us. But if he is the chief shepherd, that indicates, and then also we see in Scripture, then there must be under-shepherds. And I want to talk for a few moments about under-shepherds. And I wish I could kind of recuse myself out of this and just come and tell you this story. So I'm going to take me out of this, and I'm just going to deliver Scripture to you this morning, okay? Under-shepherds are pastors. And one of the ways that God takes care of his sheep is he has under-shepherds. He has pastors. Let's look in Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. It says this. Now, these are the gifts. Everybody say gifts. These are the gifts Christ gave to who? Say, that's me. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And here's the fivefold ministry gifts. Apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Okay. That word pastors there is the word I alluded to earlier, poimane, and it means this, one who cares for the flock, a shepherd. One, so a pastor is a shepherd, but he's an under-shepherd, and he's one who cares for the flock. And understand this about shepherds. Shepherds only take care of somebody else's sheep. So whose sheep are you? You belong to God. The Lord is your shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. But get this, out of his love and out of his care for you, He provides under shepherds. He provides pastors. Now, I want to let you into some scripture. It's in your Bible too, but you don't read it like I read it because this directly pertains to under shepherds and to pastors. 
But we, the pastoral team here at Meadowbrook, we're committed to this. We make sure we're aware of this. I want to read you a couple of verses here that, that speak sternly and give a charge to the under-shepherds. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Therefore take heed to yourselves, under-shepherds, and to all the who? All the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd or to pastor the church of who? So whose church? God, which he purchased with his own blood. That scares me. In the message paraphrase, same verse. Now it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people. Notice this. God's people they are. You belong to who? You belong to God. God's people they are. To guard and protect them. God himself thought they were worth dying for. Now imagine this. You see this in the movies. You see this sometimes at nicer restaurants or whatever. Uh, You pull up and you can valet park if you want. You know, and so there's some young guy out there and he comes out and you give him a couple bucks and the keys to your car. I mean, you know, there's some there's some cars out there that cost more than your car. Some of y'all are shocked. Yeah. And there's some cars, quarter million dollars, even more than that. Just crazy. You only see it in the movies, though, really, that somebody would come up, you know, and and hand the keys to the valet and say, now, take care of that. You know what I spent on that? And then as soon as he's inside the, the restaurant, valet's drag racing on the interstate and doing all this kind of stuff and coming back. No, it shouldn't happen that way. Here's what they realize is I could never pay for this as long as I work. And in the same way, God is saying he's kind of handing the keys to the under shepherds. He goes, do you know, do you know what I paid for them so they belong to me? You guard them, you protect them, you take care of them. Listen, listen to the same verse in the Amplified Bible. He says, take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you bishops and guardians to shepherd and then parenthetically to tend and feed and guide the church of the Lord or of God which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. That's powerful. That's powerful. You belong to the Lord. He is your shepherd. But in his love and care for you, to get loving care to you, he has under shepherds in your life. The Old Testament concept of this was to feed, tend, to pasture, or to put out to graze and to rule. New Testament leads a little more to feeding, nurturing, guarding, guiding, folding. How many of you have ever folded a a towel or a a blanket or something before? Wow. How many of you have never folded anything before? That's an indicator that number one, you're male and number two, you're single. Okay. If you never folded anything. All right. Uh, Think of folding. My grandma, uh, her name was Nola May Speedy. Grandpa Speedy passed away. A few years later, she remarried and she married Clarence Linger. She went from Speedy to Linger. Okay? Serious. So she's Nola May Linger. But grandma, I love my grandma. But grandma was old, old, old school. 
She grew all her own vegetables and she made all her own bread, all her own baked goods. If she had noodles for anything, she made those. Her kitchen always had flour on the floor and on the on the chairs and all over the table and everything. She was always rolling out something, always some kind of dough rising. I love to go in and steal bread, dough, yeast, dough that was rising, reach under that, that little towel and steal some. She'd chase me out. She always told me, you're going to get worms. <laughs> I was 30 years old before I realized I don't have worms. You know, I just, <laughs> I had this fear the whole time. Uh, but she would knead or fold things in. And part of what the shepherd is to do is to fold. And what that means is to take, constantly keep taking the outer edges and bring them into the middle, constantly embrace and bring to the middle constantly. And that's what you need to help us do. And the pastoral team is committed to do is that no one's left on the fringes. No one's on the outside. No one's better than anybody else. Jesus paid the same price for all of us. And all of us need him and need his forgiveness and need his help and need his spirit and need to be in the family of God. And so it's constantly bringing in, bringing in, bringing in, folding in, folding in. And if you start to wander out a little bit, kind of fold back in and fold back in. And it's part of the role of this. Now, Jesus, in his eyes, he sees you as sheep. The devil, in his eyes, he sees you as sheep. Now, the Lord wants to shepherd you. The devil, he wants to eat you. He wants to eat you. So the Lord gives equipment to a shepherd, a rod and a staff. And the rod, that's for wolves. And the staff, that's for the sheep. So get a couple of things real quick this morning from Scripture again. Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord says, and I will give you shepherds, note, under shepherds, I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will, here's what I'm supposed to do, feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah 23.4, I will set up shepherds, note, under shepherds, over them who will feed them, and then they, say that's me, and then they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. In John, you'll remember that when Jesus was uh, restoring Peter, what did he tell him three times? Feed my sheep. This is a big thing that Jesus wants his sheep fed. And in his love, get this, in his love and his care for you, his sheep, he has provided under shepherds to make sure that you're fed and you're guarded and you're encouraged and you're folded and fed knowledge and understanding so that you're not fearful and so you're not dismayed. You're not confused out, out in the world. I believe that a biblical New Testament church and a biblical New Testament pastor will help to create in you a God dependency and not a pastor dependency. You don't have to go through me to get to God. You go to God and we're going to be training you. This is what we've done for 24 years almost is to teach you how to pray. You to get into the word. You to seek God. You to trust God. You to know that you're never alone and never without help. You to know that God is always with you and always for you. Are you, are you hearing me? And to create in you a God dependency, not a pastor dependency. Yet you have to understand, yet you still need a pastor. Because part of the way that God cares for you as shepherd is his under shepherds that he's assigned to you. Now, in a pastor, and I are one, and then we have our pastoral team, 
And there's churches all over the country and all over the world today. They're led by pastors. I hope, I pray, that pastors will be pastors, shepherds after God's heart. Understand this. God will call. It's a call. It's not just something that, hey, I think I want to do it. It's a call. And, and, and it's irrevocable. And God calls and he anoints and he puts gifts in a pastor. But follow this. Follow this. But he calls, anoints, and gifts not to make the pastor special. He calls, anoints, and gifts so that he can provide special care to his people. And it can't stop short of that. It can't be, well, don't you know I'm called and anointed and gifted? That's, that's ridiculous. That's like somebody can quarterback, but they never join the team. And they never go out and play. They just strut around and try to do autographs or something. Listen, it's an under-shepherd. It's a lowly servant job. And I'm honored to be called to it. Our pastors are honored to be called to it. And listen, yes, there are calls and anointings and gifts that God puts into under-shepherds. But it's not so that they're special. This is the way that God provides special care to you, His sheep. And it's important that you know that. Now listen. And I believe that a good under-shepherd will constantly be pointing you to the real and the good shepherd. You need a shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd, but he has under-shepherds. And you need a pastor. You need a pastor. Let me just kind of wrap this up this morning. Jesus in Matthew, he said this. At one point he saw the people and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he went on to describe them and he said, they're weary. Stay with me. They're weary. They're confused. And they're scattered. And so people that don't have a shepherd, don't have a pastor in their life, you're more prone to be weary and confused and scattered. And then he pointed out in John 10, where he's talking about sheep and shepherd and wolves and all that. He said that when the shepherd's not present, guess what the wolf does? The wolf comes in, he takes, it actually means to snatch and shake. Have you ever seen a, like a a dog will take a stuffed toy or a ball or something and just shake it? He comes in to take, to snatch and to shake and to scatter and to devour. I believe this. I believe this. That if the wolf, that is the enemy of your soul, sheep. That if the wolf does not sense or see or smell a shepherd nearby or a pastor in your life. I think it becomes very easy for him to come into your life and to catch you and to shake you. And to scatter you and to destroy you. It's not about me. It's not about pastor. It's about you, his sheep. Jesus sees you as sheep. The devil sees you as sheep. The Lord wants to be your shepherd. And like we said before, the enemy, he just wants to eat you. But God, our good shepherd, he cares for you. And in his love and care, he provides for you under shepherds after his own heart that understand these are not my sheep. These are your sheep. And don't mess this up because he paid an incredible price so that they could belong to him. And we're to guard and we're to feed and we're to guide and protect and counsel and fold and love. And when they wander, bring them back, bring them back and help you to be whole and ultimately teach you your dependence is upon the good shepherd. So all that said and done, and we go through the 23rd Psalm, I'm inclined to agree with the scholars and say, yeah, 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that means eternal life. And that means a home in heaven forever. But I also think that because of the demonstrated faithfulness and care of God as shepherd in our life, I will keep returning to the temple. I will keep returning to the temple. I will keep returning to the temple. And I know that the Lord, ultimately, He is my shepherd. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.